Say something funny for the intro. <laughs> you can't force me to be funny. You try and make me be funny. And that's just not how it works. That's not how my humor works. everyone and welcome to the leading lady club we are your hosts i'm caitlin i'm lauren and welcome to the show yay <sighs> lauren i feel like i sound like a man again you don't sound um, like a man i'm just, just losing my voice like you're working that's all i am working i'm working a lot working. of hours and mm-hmm. i'm teaching children and singing all day therefore my voice keys that are not meant for adults and such high little children keys so <laughs> my voice is just gone but that's okay we're gonna she power gone. through we're gonna power through we're gonna power through um, oh, good i have been working a lot on several jobs mm-hmm. um did you like that segue that was good. That was, that was, really that was good. a good way to, mm-hmm. to tie it in, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so those of you who are avid listeners of the podcast, first of all, welcome back. Second of all, you may thanks remember. For <laughs> thanks for coming. We appreciate you. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how excited we were for the new reboot of Gossip Girl to come out. And, you know, Lauren and I both watched the show back in the day. So, like, of course, we were just, like, excited as fans and wanted to share our excitement with you. The trailer had just come out. Um, But surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Uh, What we could not tell you at the time was that the main reason we were excited about it is because I have secretly been on set of Gossip Girl for the past like four She's or five an months. Upper East Sider, y'all. What can I say? Literally, like super, super chill. Just like hanging out in the background, being a unnamed student with no lines. But, but that's okay because you were still there. It's true. It's been very cool to be on set and working with other actors and just see how a show is put together and it's like honestly I'm such a nerd about it like I love the times where my um what I do in the scene is pretty easy so that I can just like obviously I'm like acting in the background but I also love especially in between takes to um like just observe everyone like I love to watch like what you know the camera guys do and the boom operator does and like what the director is saying to everyone and like it's just this well-oiled machine and everyone has their very specific job and everyone like it's just really cool to watch i'm just such a theater girl and so i just feel so out of my element but it's been so cool just to be on like a set and a studio lot and you know working on a show when most of the rest of the entertainment industry is shut down or a little less so now but especially back when i when i started on it it was one of only a handful of shows even filming in new york at the time so um yeah it's been pretty cool i don't know yet i haven't watched uh, at the time of recording this episode i have not yet watched episode two um but i was not on set i knew i wouldn't be in episode one because i wasn't on set yet but 
I'm hoping maybe episode two or three or four, maybe. somewhere around there. Maybe I'll make a very, very quick appearance. If you're watching it, let us know if you spot yeah. our girl. I haven't watched either of Spotted yet, okay. on Spotted in <laughs> on HBO Max. Spotted at Constance Billard or something like <laughs> I that. I think that's the I know name, the name of the fine. school. I totally know the name of the school. You go Constance there. Constance I know, I know. I even get to wear the little blazer sometimes that mm-hmm. says the name of the school. Um, so yeah, it's been great. Hoping Hashtag booked and blessed. Open doors. Well, you know, more or less. Uh, I might be generous, but anyway, it's been very cool, even though I'm obviously a very, very small part in a, a much larger, uh, more important It's still exciting. Thing. It is. It's very exciting. And I hope that I get to see myself on TV one good half second uh, during the entire <laughs> That's it. That's all we need. Season. Yeah, that'd be great. And just to be like, look, Mom, I'm on TV. I did um, it. I did him, huh? So anyway, surprise! Yay. That's, our, that's our announcement about Gossip Girl. Go watch it because I want us to have a season two and maybe get to be on it. Um, so anyway, uh, on that note, XOXO. Caitlin. Gossip, Gossip Caitlin. Gossip Caitlin. Um, I do me. already know things that ha- – I haven't watched either episode yet, but I do already know things that happened in the first episode. And I'm yes. like – hmm. There were a lot of articles and like hmm. Twitter, Twitter – tweets and stuff twitter tweets um i did like to pretend though that i was secretly gossip girl and (laughs) if you watch the first episode you already know that that is just a lie so absolutely not the case um i kind of like had that little joke going for a bit but (laughs) just pretty much with myself but i don't um, know how i feel about the fact that we i know spoiler alert no don't say who it is I won't say who it is, but we but do we already, already know. know who it yeah. is. Which I'm I know. like, it's it is kind of strange kind of because like if you watch the original, that was like the whole thing. The was, whole like, thing trying, trying to, to figure yeah. out, and then it being revealed in the very last episode. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting. I, yeah, I think it it'll lend, I'm sure, more drama to the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. So to like know the repercussions to like yeah, exactly. things and yeah. So yeah. I do. I think it will actually be an interesting and it's like a new take on. Mm-hmm. You know, the gossip. That's true. Thing. You don't want it to be exactly the same. As right. Because it's like one. they've done that where it's like, who's Gossip Girl? Well, especially because Gossip Girl in the original one was kind of like a letdown. It was such a letdown. So. Never forget. Never, anyway. Never forget and never forgive. Absolutely not. Anyway, so that's our Gossip Girl tea. Go watch it. Maybe you can see me for half a second standing in the background or like maybe you'll see the back of my head or something. Who knows? Yay! Um, Keep an eye out. Yeah. Anyway, cool, cool. Uh, In other interesting and exciting news, Olivia Rodrigo paid a little trip to the White House this week. She did and she looked wonderful. She 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 looked very put together, very like... Yeah. I feel like other than her shoes, she looked very Jackie O. She did look very Jackie O. And honestly, the shoes were a good touch, I thought, and like very made it very. See, they were, if you didn't see them, they were like black yeah. platform. Or were they white? Were the Shunky shoes chunky. white? Were the I shoes white or were the socks white? I actually don't remember. I just know they were like really, really like chunky platform. Really, really chunky. Shoes. Yeah. Which, a hot take, I'm not super into those. I didn't that's like fair. her shoes, but that's, that's just fair. my opinion. I feel like they're very her, though. Like, I feel like I've yeah. seen her wear mm-hmm. shoes like that before. So I liked that it was kind of like business up top, party shoes on the bottom. You know yes, what I mean? we like, love a party shoe. I felt like she was very classy and, like, you know, political. She's also just, she's gorgeous. But she's then so she was cute. like, but I'm also still Olivia Rodrigo. 
international pop star. Hey. So I thought that was kind of cool, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the shoes. And like so random. When I saw that news, I was like, wait, what? Olivia Rodrigo's at the White House? Like She's going to tell people to get vaccinated, which, you know, yeah. important. Everybody go get vaccinated if you Good can. Good for her. <laughs> ah, there it is. I love that song. And Brutal is a good song to like blast while you're driving down the highway. Love that. It just rules. The only time I spend in cars most days lately is in the backseat of a taxi. So I'll do it. As I just mentioned, all my working, I literally work my day job, jump in a taxi, run to get COVID tested for Gossip Girl, run back to my day job. Like, it's nuts. Speaking of someone who also does a lot of running around New York City, Mm -hmm. that was pretty good. That was good. More, all right, I'll work that on was, it. Yeah. Um, our special guest for today is a, a very New York gal, mm-hmm. a very working girl, hard mm-hmm. hard worker. Uh, our special guest today is the backstage blonde herself, <gasps> Teal Dvornik. Yeah, We are so excited to have her on here. Just it's been the a, coolest lady ever. She's the best. Um, it's been a long time coming. Obviously, we knew we'd have her on at some point because she is a friend, but uh, so excited that she's finally here. She's got quite the story, quite the journey. Uh, we're going to let her mostly tell it because she definitely dives into a lot of it, which is great. But basically, she is a dresser uh, backstage at the Broadway musical Wicked, which basically means she helps with the costumes and she helps with all the actors' quick changes backstage, helps them get dressed, help, helps them with anything they need during the show um it's pretty amazing and she's literally Mm -hmm. living her new york city broadway dreams um obviously all of that a bit on pause because of the pandemic but she really has an amazing journey uh to tell and she also started her own blog called the backstage blonde which basically shows you all the insights into her life backstage her life in new york city her life as a broadway gal um it's pretty cool and she has a lot of amazing broadway friends and just such a success story she's a very very hard worker and uh just the best so we're so excited for you to hear our talk with her we had a really good time Mm -hmm. with her um so I think we should just get right to it, Lauren. What do you I say? I think so, too. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Here she is, Teal Dvornik. Hi, Teal. How are you? We're so happy Hello. to have you here. I am so excited to be here talking to y'all today. Thank yes. you for having me. And oh thank you for wearing your Backstage Blonde merch. Always. <laughs> my strong female lead shirt. I love that I just showed it to the camera, though no one will be seeing that. But for but. those of you listening at home, I just showed my shirt to the camera, <laughs> um, just so you're aware. But yes, love my Backstage Blonde merch, which of course, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, yeah, I had to represent. We're so excited to have you. And how about we just dive right in? Let's do it. All right. So you are a fellow Florida girl. You were uh, born and raised in Florida and then moved up to Alabama to study at Stanford for college and kind of walk us through that a little bit. And we want to know, we love to ask people kind of how they ended up in their career field. So was theater something you always kind of knew you wanted to end up in or was it not kind of until college where you sort of started to realize that that might be your path? How did that happen? Well, I always wanted to work in entertainment and I've actually never spoken publicly about this part before, but ooh, I think ooh, it exclusive. might be kind of cool or an encouragement to someone who's younger and, you know, might be going through this. 
I wanted desperately as a little girl to be a famous Hollywood actress and win mm. an Academy Award. The problem was <laughs> I had amazingly supportive parents who were so wonderful and willing to, you know, take me to acting lessons and all the things I had my little headshots made, but I had a learning disability. I have attention deficit disorder. Oh. And so that made grasping concepts that I was taught in class, extremely difficult. I would have to go mm -hmm. home every day and basically relearn it all and then do my homework. So wow. making it through middle school and high school was extremely challenging for me. So I didn't get to, you know, pursue the acting dreams, but in high school, I became obsessed with Rachel Zoe and being a fashion stylist and, you know, creating like weird different clothes in my bedroom with my little sister. And when I ended up at Sanford University, I fell into costuming. I had originally my freshman year, I'd spent at the University of Alabama fashion design major. And then I transferred and at Sanford, the closest thing they had to fashion was costume design and tech theater. And I thought I'd give it a shot. They gave me a scholarship and I fell absolutely head over heels in love with live theater. I'd always been a patron of the arts and, you know, my parents took us to all the big like national tours that were coming through Tampa Bay growing up, but this was my first time, like hands-on backstage, creating the magic myself. And I was hooked. And so from the age of 19 on Broadway was my ultimate goal. And after graduation, I worked at stage door manor for one summer doing summer stock. It's a legendary kids theater camp. And then after that, I worked for Norwegian cruise lines for two years, cruised all around the world. This is a wardrobe supervisor, incredible mm -hmm. experience, last lived in Hawaii and then moved to New York city when I was 24 years old and booked my first Broadway job within three months of getting there. So yeah, pretty wild ride. And very, my goodness. Back to, did you, you know, see yourself in entertainment as a young kid? Yeah, absolutely. And every single challenge that I met, and I hope this doesn't sound corny. I really hope it's just encouraging. Every challenge that I met made me stronger and made me braver and ready for the next thing. And I couldn't see that at the time. And you know what, honestly, in my life, the challenges I'm going through, I still don't see how the hell <laughs> turn around, you know, but you know, I, yeah. I had to study extremely hard in middle school and high school. So that prepared me for college. And then I was on the Dean's list, like every semester, because I knew how to study and really dig in. And then stage door manor was grueling. If anybody out there has ever done summer stock, it's an insane schedule, but that prepared me to work really hard on the cruise ships because that was a very interesting, like different form of theater, like being out in the middle of the ocean, you're the only person there who knows how to fix things and fix it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to be in Mexico the next day and there's not a sewing shop there. So every single challenge, every single time that I felt lonely or scared or intimidated to walk into a room. And I just had to hold my shoulders back, put my head up and walk in confidently. Sometimes you just have to fake that confidence until you make it. And here we are. Here we are. We are here. Wow. And I, well, I love, thank you for sharing the, uh, your ADD story. I think that that's really very inspirational because I mean, there are so many kids who, you know, go through school and they're like, why doesn't anything stick? Why can't I learn anything? And it's like, yeah. you have, you figure out how to do it and you did and you crushed it and now you're still crushing it. So I think that that's great to know that like, that's possible, even though it doesn't feel like it, it is possible. Absolutely. I mean, I always say be 
B students rule the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All A students, you know, yeah. you do well in high school, but that doesn't always translate to college. Yeah. Unfortunately. You have to learn the other skills. You have to learn how to be scrappy and be like, okay, cool. So I'm horrible to geometry, but you know what? I'm good at art. So I'm going to make an entire series of poster boards about geometry and get that extra credit. You know, there you go. like yeah. there's more than one way to solve a problem. There's more than one way to yes. get in geometry. So, yeah. And I yeah. think that's especially, I mean, I feel like schools are getting better about this, but you know, like schools are always like, you have to do these things a certain way in order to like progress or whatever, but that's not always the case. Like you can make a poster board about geometry and still grasp the concepts and still do well. Like that's fine. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's very, very cool. Love that. Wow. You really have done a lot already so in your things. life. So we want to delve a little bit into all of those. So you mentioned stage door manner, which is, you know, if you're a theater person, stage door manner is like the pinnacle of youth theater that you can possibly be involved with. Um, and you mentioned doing their summer stock, which is nuts. So can you just like take us through that a little bit? Like, what was it like learning? Cause that was like your first job out of college. What was it like, like learning the ropes at stage door and like kind of getting your feet wet in that like dresser world? It was wild. So that's <laughs> the stage for anyone who isn't familiar with Stage Door. This is the most legendary kids theater camp in probably the world, but mm-hmm. definitely the United States. It's in the Catskill Mountains in New York. In pre-1950s in America, uh, international travel just wasn't that much of a thing. It was exclusively for the wealthy, even flying anywhere in the United States was very expensive and luxurious. So during the summer, families from, you know, the Northeast, specifically New York City, instead of getting on a plane, would hop in the car and go and stay at these resorts in the Catskill Mountains. You guys might be familiar with them uh, from the movie Dirty Dancing or most recently in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Go to the Catskills. Right. So that's where stage door is set And it was an abandoned resort that Jewish families used to go to in the summer. And in the seventies, this really cool couple took it over and started a kid's theater camp and Robert Downey Jr., Natalie Portman, like Zach Braff, like so many stars have gone there and some rising stars were there when I got to work there that one summer. And so it's divided into three different sessions in every session. I think it's 14, full scale productions are produced and every we were all in charge of two shows. So all the fittings, all the alterations, and then you had to like be the wardrobe supervisor and the dresser for the shows with all these crazy kids running around. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I loved it so much. I'm still friends with so many of the kids that I got to work with that summer. And I mean, you know, it, it taught me perseverance, resilience, um, you know, how to be a better teammate. And I think one of the main reasons that I even landed the job in the first place is because at my university, we got really creative with, um, instead of just building new costumes from scratch, uh, years and years ago, some woman in her will left like her entire estate to my university. So we had this insane costume closet to pull from. So we pull from this costume closet and then reimagine the pieces of clothing. Uh, So it's called in in costume land, it's called hack and slash. 
I can slash. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Love that. Sounds so, like a good, like, theater nerd horror movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It really does. And so that was a lot of what we did at Stage Door was like, okay, cool. So we're doing, you know, Bye Bye Birdie. How many circle skirts can I pull? How can I reimagine, you know, these weird 50 cost, 50s costumes into uh, this musical that only 11-year-olds are going to be in? So. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting. And I, another cool thing about stage door manor is a lot of times when, you know, whoever owns the rights to any of these shows are about to release it to the public, they'll workshop it at stage door first to see if it can be pulled off on a small scale like that. So, I mean, the tech team and the creative teams that they hire at stage door are just like top notch, unbelievable production value. But uh, that summer we were given the non-equity regional premier rights to spam a lot. And then this summer it was just Ooh. announced. They're the first who are going to get to do mean girls. <gasps> like they Dolls junior there rent junior. So really cool place. This That's has turned really into cool. an infomercial first <laughs> <No>. <laughs> stage door manner <laughs> apply online. That's so, funny. That. That's so cool. Yeah. I remember growing up and like doing theater and I was, I was like, Oh man, I would love to go to stage door. Like that was always the dream when you're like yeah. 14 and you're just starting to get into theater, but that's crazy. And like you had, like you said, doing all that, you know, pulling the costumes and like figuring out how to rework them. That like takes a lot of creativity to kind of figure out how to do that and how to be in charge of all of that. Um, yeah, a whole so other skill set. Broadway yeah. is so unique because <laughs> we have money. Hey. So, I mean, obviously there's a budget, but the wardrobe supervisors have negotiated with the producers when these shows have opened on Broadway for a set number of crew members they're allowed to have. Mm-hmm. So I'm a dresser at the musical Wicked, and that's my job is being a dresser. So if I get called in to do like a day work call and at day work, there are wardrobe people who go around and like, you know, do repairs, fix the shoes, steam, Mm -hmm. iron, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I'm really like repairing a costume. Right. Uh, Yeah. Cause there's a whole other team of like stitchers, these women that amazing women who do the alterations to the costumes. And yeah. So, I mean, I haven't used a sewing machine in a while just cause with my job, I I don't really have to anymore, but before like at stage door and on the cruise ships, it was a one man band. Yeah. You'd be able to do everything. I did it all. Yeah. And which is a lot of skills to learn because it's a lot of, you know, sewing and, and patching and all that. So I can imagine that that's, you know, a lot to kind of keep on your plate. Um, So stage door and then the cruise Norwegian cruise lines. Yes. Like you said, a theater in the middle of the ocean and it's just you on the water. So what was that crazy time? Like it was wild. Um, my first ship was out of new Orleans for like nine months. And then it was like spring break. It was so much fun. Spring break. The transatlantic crossing, I repositioned the ship to Europe. And then I was on like two ships out of Miami for a little bit. And then I spent one summer in the Mediterranean. So I, my home port was Venice and I lived in Europe for five months. Oh my God. And then I came back to the States. And then I lived in Hawaii for five months before finally moving wow. to New York. So literally yeah. the dream, like, Honestly. can I do that now? I have no real skills to offer, but like <laughs> I could just come be like, you know, a little cheerleader for the wardrobe person. I can little, be like, you little, are doing so bro. great. <laughs> 
crazy. So was it a lot of the same skills that you found like from stage door to Norwegian, like kind of as that one man band, as you mentioned? Absolutely. Like once I was on board the ship. Yeah. Um, There would be a wardrobe team that would help like install the cast Mm -hmm. and help with all the fittings. And then install was over and they would leave and it would be me and 12 singers and dancers and like, like, okay. Sometimes I would teach like really sweet Filipino men who spoke like no English to do quick changes because like for extra money, they would um, volunteer to be like stagehands. Help at the show. Yeah. So like teaching a Filipino man how to do a quick change in Shout the Mod musical is something (laughs) that I'll never forget. The what musical? I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Oh my gosh. I've heard of that one up. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put that on my it's, list. It's like a jukebox musical set yeah. in London. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, also the ship is it's called Listing. Rocking. She's rocking. Rockin yeah. Sit down. And so you have to, boat. you know, make sure nothing falls and the actors are fine. That's bananas. I'm sure. Wow. You went all over the place too, which is like, again, like we said, the dream. Do you have like your favorite place that you got to visit while you were on the cruise ship? I mean, Hawaii was unreal. Getting uh, to Venice every Sunday was a dream. But I think like what made the European itinerary for me was getting to be in Croatia. (gasps) Yeah, it was only like we were only in like season two or three of Game of Thrones. And so they were still filming. And Dubrovnik, (sighs) Croatia is where they shoot King's Landing. Mm -hmm. And then another port was Split, Croatia, Mm -hmm. where they still did a lot of filming there. So, yeah, one day I was just walking down the street and there was the actor who plays Jamie Lannister eating gelato with his kids. And you were like, hello, I love you. That would be me. You guys, you have to Google Dubrovnik, Croatia, because the old town part of this city, the Mm -hmm. the streets are literally marble. Like, it's Game of Thrones. Like, it's Mm -hmm. a gigantic, like, walled-in fortress. It's Mm -hmm. just stunning. I love love it. Lauren's family is Croatian. My family is Croatian. We're from... We're from the northern part. We're from right outside of... Not right outside, but a little bit outside of Zagreb. So I've not been to Dubrovnik, but it's beautiful, and I want to go... Oh, I'm, we're Slovenian too. We're, I don't know yeah. where in Slovenia, but we're a little bit Slovenian. Oh, wow. Eastern yeah. European buddies. <laughs> I'm just that. very Scottish and Irish. You're very so. Scottish, but yeah. that's fun too. Yes. Amazing. Yes. God, I just, I love cruises. I've been on a couple. The shows are always amazing. And I just, I can't imagine having to be in charge of one on my own. So you are some kind of superhero for doing that. That is incredible. Uh, so, okay. So we did stage door, we did the cruise ship and now we're in New York. What was, what was, what, so Broadway, you said was always the goal and you were in Hawaii at the time. What was kind of like the spark to get you to New York? And then what was it like being in New York for those three months you said before you got your first Broadway show? What was that? What was that very, very whirly whirlwind like? Well, New York, New York and New York city has been my favorite city in the entire world since I was 15 years old and visited for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to live there. And once again, more unsolicited advice to all the littles out there, just pick the city you want to live in. A job yeah. will come. Just mm-hmm. choose a place you want to live, you know? Yeah. So, and then suddenly, you know, Broadway and like, that's like the career goal. So doing the cruise ships was a means to an end. Like it was amazing that I was getting to travel and all this extra wardrobe experience, but also I didn't have any money because I just graduated from college. So I was able to save so much money and that's what got me to the city. 
Yeah. So when I got there, my first like theater job was at the Queens theater, like way out in Flushing, like past the Met stadium. Oh, wow. And that's way out. Yeah. Kind of wild. I was backstage and working on a play starring Michelle Federer, who was the original Nessa Rose in Wicked. Oh, married Norman Leo Butts. And I was the dresser and I was like the wardrobe supervisor of the whole play. And so I'm backstage and I was scrolling through my email, the spam folder, and there was an email from Alice Gilbert, the wardrobe supervisor of Wicked, and she said they wanted to interview me, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it just, it felt like kismet, you know, like dressing as a rose in this show, and suddenly Wicked reaches out, so I had to jump through a few hoops to get into the labor union, but yeah, a few months later, it was like January 5th of 2015. It was my first day at Wicked. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was a swing dresser for a year. And then I dressed the Radio City Christmas Spectacular and <sighs> all the Rockettes for one season. And then I was full time at Aladdin for nine months. And then Wicked stole me back and gave gotcha. me a full time job. Snatched you back. <laughs> yeah. I've been full time there since like 2017. Wow, oh, that's I've crazy. never heard the part of the story that it was in your spam folder in your email. Isn't that insane? Honestly, the moral of this interview so far is check your spam check folder. Check your spam folder. Because <laughs> I usually just delete yeah. all that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's mm-hmm. really cool, deal. That it it was obviously like meant to be, not again to be cheesy, but that's really cool. Um, so obviously, Wicked was like first Broadway show, like the dream, the ultimate and where you are now. But then, like you said, you booked Aladdin. And I feel like just from being an observer, that Aladdin was a really life changing experience for you. Obviously, you met your bestie, LJ. And um, just I feel like it was such a positive experience and like positive group of people to work with. And then through that, obviously, you met Courtney Reed, and you guys, along with Abby DePhillips, started um, the Gagged Chokers Company. Um, so that's kind of a lot of things to talk about all of one, all at once. But what kind of was that Aladdin experience like, and then that leading to starting this company with your closest girlfriends? What was that experience like? It was unbelievable. It it truly was life changing. Every single day, I was thrilled to go into work. It was a blast. And people are always like, what's your favorite show? And, you know, it's, that's impossible to say because every show is so different. Every experience is so different. But what you get a lot of times with a long running show is everybody's been there, you know, for over 10 years. And so people love long running shows because they're able to have a life and, you know, set up a family and have, you know, a stable schedule. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it was a very calm environment and I was always like taken care of and it was great, but Aladdin, I came in, I think when did, I don't remember when the show opened. I started there July of 2015 it's, I, it opened, I know this actually for a fact, because I saw it on my high school, my senior trip to New York in high school uh, was the second night that it was open. Literally, they had had their opening night the wow. night before we saw it. I don't really know how that worked out, but it was 2014 that it opened in like March, yeah, somewhere around you, there. You know. Yeah, yeah so it, when I started working there, it was, bef- I got there um, 
like eight months before my best friend LJ started working there and they hired me as a swing dresser and it was still the original Broadway cast. I think one girl had been replaced or was like just about to leave in the ensemble. And so this group of people was truly like a family. They were so close. They had so much fun together. It was a gigantic ensemble cast and they welcomed me in with open arms, like a little sister. And it was a lot of, you know, hanging out in dressing rooms when the show was over. I was so excited that people were like inviting me out with them. And, you know, for a lot of people, they move to New York immediately and like slowly build their career. But Mm -hmm. I had done that outside of the city. So that by the time I got to New York, I hit the ground running and I was very focused and on a mission which is amazing, but it was a little bit lonely. I didn't really have a social life for like two years. So being welcomed to that Aladdin family and suddenly like having people like to go out with, I was, oh my gosh, I was so happy. And yeah, those girls were amazing. And then I became, yeah, very close with Courtney Reed who played, who originated the role of Princess Jasmine. And um, a friend of the pod, we love Courtney Reed. Yes. So about eight months into working there, a girl that I went to college with got a job as a swing dresser and that was LJ Wright, I guess now Bellman. She's married now. And we had that. been like friends in college, but like became like soul sisters backstage at this show. We were dressing the female ensemble together. And this was also around the time that Snapchat was kind of blowing up. So we were always like Snapchatting our adventures backstage together as dressers, the costumes. And then Courtney came into the mix, you know, so we're in a princess's dressing room. And that was around the time that she had this idea to start a choker company and asked if we would help. And we said, of course, like it was so fun. And we learned a lot from that experience um, about friendship, about running a business. It was, it was really exciting. And my biggest takeaway from all of that was that people wanted access to the parts of our lives that, you know, we weren't like posting on Instagram that you don't see on playbill.com. People wanted the nitty gritty. They wanted to see what was going on in the dressing rooms. They didn't care about any cool photo shoot we had looking glamorous, standing in the street, posing in Central Park. No, they didn't care. Every single time the engagement on posts where we were sitting on the ground, laughing our heads off, like in a dressing room, looking like little trolls. That's what people wanted. Yeah. And also during my time at Aladdin, uh, there's some downtime during certain scenes where you're standing backstage waiting for your next crew. So, or next cue. So I started talking to the different crew members and stagehands and asking them for different Broadway stories. And like, have you ever seen a ghost here? Like these, Oh, mm. the local one stagehands, they have the best stories. Cause you know, they've all been in the business for like 50 years. They were grandfathered in their dads worked on, on for local one, their sons are going to. So they had these amazing stories. And I was like, no one's ever telling these stories ever the only people who i'm seeing represented on like broadway social media are the leads in these shows and there's just so many you know kind of like meteor subjects yeah that people aren't talking about which inspired me to start the backstage blonde yeah so it led to my blog and my instagram and kind of you know life as an influencer and Mm -hmm. yeah i aladdin was it was an amazing experience i'm so so lucky to have gotten to work there and have formed those relationships. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I also think that, especially like with backstage crew, like crew members in proportion to like 
actors there's so many people working backstage not even directly backstage but in like production in all these different parts of a backstage that people don't get to see when they go to see the show necessarily and you're right they all have you know been working forever and have all these stories to tell and they're all really cool cool stories that people want to hear and they just you've given them a chance to hear that which i think is wonderful yeah. yeah I mean a lot of people don't even know that my job is real <laughs> that's true they're like what's a dresser because you wouldn't yeah. even think about it you know you're enjoying a show and like it's magical and it's amazing and you're not thinking about how there are hundreds of people running around in the dark backstage which yeah. I mean is the point <laughs> true right we do but they do want to blend that. in a little bit but there are there are lots of people running around trying to get all that done that's awesome yeah yeah well, that's you're doing such an amazing job of literally segueing into our next question. Like throughout this whole <laughs> interview, you've like done a little preview of our next question. So I love that. Um, but like you said, when you were working with the girls doing gag chokers, also how we met, which is, you know, makes it special. Hashtag um, intern Caitlin. <laughs> intern Caitlin, I see you for life. Um Yes, you. I literally remember being, <laughs> this is a throwback, in an NYU dining hall one day. And I got a text from you saying, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you send me like any Broadway blogs you know about? Or like, could you do a little research, see if you can find any out there? So I did. And I was like, I was still pretty new to Gagged. And so I was like trying to really impress. I was like, I wanted to do a good job and like impress you and whatever. And so I was like, yes, like I'm on it. And so I literally am like on my phone in this dining hall being like, I have to find these body blogs. And I, I think I was there because I think probably, I remember that too. Probably. And I found almost nothing. Like, I think I found one or two things that I was like, oh, this is like kind of a blog, but it hasn't been active in like five years. Or like, oh, this one doesn't have much on it. But like I kind of, and I was so worried that you were going to be like failed assignment, assignment failed. <laughs> like that is, not, I wanted you to find me these Broadway blogs. And then looking back, it's so funny because I'm like, oh, she asked me that because she wanted the answer to be no, They're they aren't online. out there because that is the whole point. And so I remember being along for the journey and you saying, you know, I feel like this is just an underserved market. And like you said you were getting all these followers and getting all this engagement just from like living your life in the theater and backstage so anyway that was a long-winded thing to say then you got the idea to start the backstage blonde um so what was talk us through that moment a little bit of when you made that decision that this is something you should do and kind of the beginning days of the backstage blonde and just like how in the world you even went about getting that all started Caitlin, I forgot about that story. <laughs> That's so wild. But it's true that that was exactly the point of, you know, having a younger person who's still in school, and like very like in tune with theater consumers, because on the on the back end, you know, I mean, everyone obviously like loves Broadway, but like the people who work on Broadway don't die for it in the same way that the fans do, you know, it's just a very different relationship. Uh, not in a bad way. It's just different. And, um, so I, I noticed there was a gap in the market. No one was creating cool influencery content surrounding Broadway and Times Square. No one was making it look cool because I mean, musical theater is pretty dorky, everything about it. And we love it. We die for it, but you know, <laughs> but it's, people are still singing and dancing randomly in a show. It's a little, it's a little weird. Yeah. Little door, you know, a cat's hoodie is pretty dorky. Is so, yeah, like with my merch, I was like, I'm never gonna create merch that I myself like would not wear, that like yeah. LJ wouldn't wear walking down the street. Uh, I want to create this, like, you know, create content that I was desperately looking for when I was sitting in the calf 
in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, like there are some influencers who I've still follow. I've been following them for like 15 years. Cause I found like their old blogs. I would just type in like blonde, New York city, like trying to find anything that would like yeah. give me like an insight into the world that I was hoping to be a part of one day. So yeah, I think that's definitely like why I've found success on social media is because I I've lifted back the curtain. I've given people access yeah. to a world that no one's ever had access to before in that way. So yeah. What was the Found question? <laughs> no, I mean, that's okay. That was it. That was but, um, great. It, it's amazing. Cause we, you know, LJ and I had full-time jobs as dressers. Courtney had a full-time job as princess Jasmine. Yeah. Abby yeah. was very enthusiastically following the theater scene at the time being like the ultimate hype girl. And we needed assistance with gag because it was like, it became a lot of work, which was great. Yeah. So we found intern Caitlin through Laura Osnes and that was it. I was so thrilled about it. You became so helpful and then I stole you for myself. Yeah. Which <laughs> I was You're a hot commodity in the market, Caitlin. More than happy. I know. Listen, Broadway like helper girl. That's me. I mean, the amount of times Caitlin has had to watch me like awkwardly change clothes on the sidewalk in the yes. theater district, like in full view. It's that true. poor girl or like mm-hmm. taking pictures of me in like b- freezing temperatures mm-hmm. we've done that in Times square we've done that uh mm-hmm. i one time blew up an inflatable i believe it was an alligator it um, was sitting in mm-hmm. glinda's dressing room yeah oh but i hey, remember the alligator i've gotten some pretty cool experiences from this i got to sit in glinda's dressing room so i mean you know like it's a pretty fair worse. trade uh, I've gotten to see a lot of shows. Thanks to you. I've gotten to meet a lot of people that talk about like, you know, being a, a nerdy theater kid, like just dying for this. I mean, that was it's definitely me in high school. Of course, I still love it. But like, I mean, high school, I was like, these people are amazing. And this is this the greatest thing ever. And so I've gotten to meet some of my heroes now. Thanks to you. And um, yeah, we've had so many cool experiences together. We and we're also just like war buddies. Like I feel like every time we do a Broadway con or a Broadway flea market, I am like, we have been <laughs> to battle together and we've made it out the other side. But let me tell you, there were some battle scars from some of those, <laughs> some of those experiences together because those are some crazy, um, crazy events, Broadway Con and Broadway Flea Market and all those types of things. They're, they're wild. So anyway, we've been through a lot together a lot but like look at you now literally how many what's let's see what's the updated count on instagram followers i keep losing followers it's so annoying yeah no i'm so stagnant right there right now but i just hit 15k on tiktok so that's exciting 25.5k on instagram like you're literally famous you're an influencer um so it's amazing i'm just so proud of you all the way it, it's crazy to think back on that day where you sent me this text hey can you look for these vlogs and then no. to look at where you are now and just that's how much wild. you've accomplished how far you've grown and how many people you've inspired it's it's amazing um but obviously on to a slightly uh, not as happy note, obviously the pandemic came, we all lost our jobs, <laughs> the theater industry shut down, the entertainment industry shut down, and we all moved back home with our parents or stayed in New York and just stared at the wall and wondered what in the world we were going to do with our lives and careers. Um, and you had, granted, this is from 
my perspective, I know obviously the pandemic was hard for everyone. So I know there were times where you struggled. I know there were times where it was not glamorous and when, when it was very hard. But from my perspective, you have one of the coolest, I feel like, journeys through uh, quarantine and the pandemic, you literally went to London, which is just like, I, you inspired me actually. Ask Lauren. I called her in Shahana one night and I was in the middle of my worst moments of the pandemic um, where I was just like, everything is terrible. I'm living alone. It's winter time in New York and I think I'm not going to make it. And I called them and I was like, I think idea, idea time. I was like, Teal did it. What if I just up and picked myself up and just like moved to London for a bit? Like with like, they were like, okay, so like, what, what's the plan? I was like, there is no plan. Like, what if I just did that? I was like, I was like, Teal did it. And look at her. Like she did it. Like maybe I could do it too. And then London shut down again. But long, long story to say, I thought that was so amazing that you did that. And then you also got correct me if I'm wrong, your New York City tour guide license during the pandemic because big things are happening, I think, whether we can talk about them or not, I don't know. Um, But just talk to me a little bit about that, some of your your pandemic journeys, and then maybe if it's not like too stressful to talk about, because I get stressed out by this question, but maybe like what's next or like where where we go from here? Okay. (laughs) All right. I know, that's a lot of things. (laughs) Well, yeah, the pandemic has been extremely hard. This is the first time I've ever dealt with anxiety or depression. I don't live with mental illness on a day-to-day basis like many do. So yeah, just learning coping mechanisms and reminding myself daily that, you know, a global pandemic was not my fault. Like Mm -hmm. losing my job was not my fault because I I'm an achiever. I like to hold on to accomplishments and I, you know, I kind of like lost everything, not everything, but I, uh, my apartment lease was up last July and we Mm -hmm. thought that the pandemic or the, that Broadway would be back in January of 2021. And so at the time I was like, I think that the best course of action is to, you know, not pay rent anymore. And put all my stuff in storage and just try to have a good attitude about this. And okay, how can we twist this? How can I pivot? And, you know, I know I sound very strong and motivated right now and that's the way that I like to be, but yeah, there were a lot of moments of not just like, you know, staring at a wall, but like laying in the middle of a street while it's raining, crying, you know, or running up and down the street, kind of like, Oh, (laughs) crying while it's raining, you know, like (laughs) the rain is very important. I'm not laughing at your pain. I'm just (laughs) laughing at this mental image of you running down the street. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. or like (laughs) a car that's like spinning out Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the main mood that I was in for most of the pandemic. So anyway, so yeah, gave up my apartment and I've never lived with random roommates before on this awesome roommate app called Roomie. I found these two amazing girls in the Lower East Side. It was like living in a sorority house again because there were always people in and out. It was so fun. And also last summer, I launched my Patreon. So I have a paywall now on my like Instagram and I create like exclusive content for my close friends story. So you can like have a paid subscription to be on my close friends and to talk about history. I mainly share a lot about my personal life and what I'm going through. It's probably too much information that no one wants to hear. Yeah, whatever. Never. It's just the right amount. (laughs) And then 
you know, I'm sitting in the Lower East Side spinning my wheels again. And yeah. I was just like, well, I could continue to do what I'm doing here or I could just go do it in London. <laughs> Is it, someone was like, well, what's a, where, where else have you ever wanted to like live? And I'm like, literally nowhere. New York city is it for me. That's it. I'd like to visit places, but I've never wanted to live anywhere else, but London. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, because of Brexit, England is no longer part of the European union, which means that my American passport can get me right on in. Um, yeah. Everyone's like, how are you there? And I'm like, do you watch the news? So, <laughs> do you know what's going on? Yeah. And honestly, and people, you know, they're like, London's so expensive. It's the same cost yeah. as living in New York city. And honestly, I think housing is the same hotels are the same, but I found food and like shopping for anything much cheaper than it is yeah. in New York city. Anyways, went there and I bought a one-way ticket. And I was just going to like have an adventure and see what happened. And I was there for a little, like about a month and a half. And then on Halloween, the prime minister announced that the country was going into a second lockdown and the restrictions were really intense. And I was just scared to get stuck there by myself. I literally just like signed a sublet lease and I had to break it and evacuate the country in four days. So (laughs) my last four days was like, I named it panic tourism. (laughs) Like every hour of the day was like mapped out. I accomplished so much and created so much content. It was really, really intense. So yeah, did that, came back to the city, lived in the city from like November until March, and then um, decided to take a break and come visit my family. So I've been in Florida for a little bit and um, I'm headed back to New York in two weeks and I'm excited to, I'm excited and nervous. to start over because no one, I will argue this to anyone, no one was affected in the way that New Yorkers were because millennials in London and millennials in LA, Chicago, Austin, they didn't leave. They didn't evacuate, (laughs) but this New York city cleared out. So we lost our jobs, our communities left and you know, I, I gave up my apartment. I've been living out of a suitcase for a year. So it's just, it's, it's been so much of just like letting go and breathing and not thinking too deeply into the future, but just knowing I'm going to be okay. And some days I don't do my best. Some days I do nothing, but some days I really do do my best and I work on my business and, you know, I take care of myself physically and and I think that's, you know, that's kind of the best you can do during this. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, it, it's hard. It's like you, not only do you have to like come to terms with being alone, like, you know, when you're a single person in a pandemic living by yourself. Um, but like the things that I used to hold on to my routine, my gym, my cool, fancy job, the fact yeah. that I live in Manhattan, you know, it's, it was all gone. Yeah. So what's left and how, how do you stay sane and how do you stay okay through all that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a lot, but I'm definitely glad that I took the chance and got on a plane and went to England. It was a really amazing adventure. And, uh, yeah, I, I never would have been able to do that at any other point in my life. So totally. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I know none of it was easy and I know it was hard because I was going through 
similar feelings and similar experiences, but uh, I think it is awesome that you were able to pivot and and get some things done and have some adventures and and do some cool things during this time because a lot of the rest of us have just sat here um, continuing to be a car spinning out on a street. Um, so you're doing great from from my perspective, but I know it hasn't been easy, so. It's not, and it's okay, to, and it's okay to be, you know, spinning out. Like this is a very, this everyone's a little spinny right now, but <laughs> you are also making the most of it too, yeah. which I think is yeah. really important. And like, obviously, you can have bad days. Everybody can have bad days. Absolutely. If you didn't have bad days, I would be a little worried. But, yeah. but you're you're making the positive as positive as you can, which I think is yeah amazing. I've tried. Yeah, yeah. there've been very, very low. Hard. There've been yeah. a lot of highs, you know, there's still, even though like, you know, I'm generally unhappy, there's been a lot of joy and a lot of yeah. cool moments that have happened. Also speaking of, you know, like everyone's individual journeys, I think so many things on Instagram are just obnoxious because it's like, don't put your worth in the, your achievements. Don't, you know, it's like telling you all these different things to do, but like, that's the way that I'm wired. I don't know if you guys are into Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram three, which is literally the Ooh. achiever. Yeah. And you know, so it's kind of like, but that's the way I'm built. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. This is what makes me feel good. This is yeah. what makes me feel like the happiest and best version of myself is when I'm crossing things off a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Stop. Oh writing quotes about how to-do lists don't matter because I like mine. Leave yeah. me alone. So <laughs> with you Let me get my stationery and write out my list. Yeah. You cannot, that's fine, but I'm going to. Yes. I'm totally with you, Teal. I, I feel that, but. Yeah, I do. I feel, it feels kind of like, maybe overcompensation is like too harsh of a word, but it's definitely like we're trying to shift into like, it's okay if you're not doing okay. And like, that's true, but not everyone's not okay looks the same you know and not everyone's okay looks the same either so you kind of have to figure out what works best for you and just ignore all the weird insta quotes yeah and also everybody's path is different you know like you guys just like heard and listened to my story and um a lot of people move to new york right out of college and work Mm -hmm. off broadway for Mm -hmm. years and years and years before finally making it on broadway you know it's every single person's path is different and you just have to like stay the course and keep pushing Mm -hmm. through yeah. And just keep pushing for what you want. And it'll get, if you push hard enough, it'll get there one way or another. It might take some time, but it'll get yeah. there. Or a different door will open. Exactly. Yeah. You might even open a door that you didn't even know you wanted to open. Then you're like, oh, wait, I think I can do this. So I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Well, to wrap up our tour of Teal Dvornik's life, you've kind of peppered in a little bit of advice throughout today. But you also, you give a lot of advice to your fans and to your followers. And you're very much, it feels like big sister vibes, which I think is, you know, as a big sister, I appreciate it very much. Um, So is there any advice that you can give to either people listening who want to follow in your footsteps or have like kind of a similar, whether it's dresser, whether it's just working on Broadway in general, anyone who's kind of feeling that same vibe that you were, do you have any advice of like the best way to go about that the best thing that you can give to someone who wants to do what you're doing specifically to do what I'm doing I think get as much experience as you can every single summer I was booked somewhere Mm -hmm. and it was all volunteer I didn't get paid until I was out of college I was you know I volunteered at whatever performing arts camps my siblings were at to do the costumes one summer I volunteered to be an intern at the University of Florida in their costume department like just get your hands 
everywhere. Stack your resume. Make sure it's not just university stuff. Also in college, I volunteered at the local children's theater. So I would have a costume credit that wasn't a university credit. You know, it's like make yourself valuable. What's going to make you stand out from the pack? What's going to make you, uh, the most valuable team member, you know? Uh, yeah. Learn millinery skills, learn how to fix shoes, like make sure you're good at hand sewing and machine sewing, learn it all. So that's number one piece of advice. But then number two, and this is general advice for everybody, just go for it. Just jump in. Uh, when I was first starting the backstage blonde, I got really I was having a really hard time just like sitting down and writing blog posts. And my dad was like, just start. You can always go back and edit, but you just need to start creating the content and putting it out there. And now when I look back at like the photos that I was taking and so proud of, like back in 2017, I cringe. They are so embarrassing now. But I mean, think about any startup or any successful company. The first version of their product is not what it looks like now, you know? So just put yourself out there. You're going to evolve. You're going to grow. You're going to see what works and what doesn't. But you have to start because anyone can have an idea, but it takes a really special person to put that into action and actually make something happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Good advice. Um, All right. Now our quick rapid-ish fire section. We say ish because no stress if it's not fast. Um, But we ask all of our guests, since this is the Leading Lady Club, of course, what does being a leading lady mean to you? And that can be in your career, in your life. It may have been some of what you just said, but what does that mean to you to be a leading lady? That's a really cute question. I really (laughs) like it. And I just got in my head because I know who your past guests have been. So I'm sure they gave like really sweet, precious, inspirational answers. Because for me, I, I don't know. I'm sure you guys can tell in my voice. I'm, I'm an aggressive person. I have a very (laughs) intense personality. So for me being a leading lady, um, it just, it's holding the reins in my own life. You know, it's like, it's being in charge of what I'm doing. Uh, having a plan, executing the plan, like full force, giving it my all. I sound like Dwight Schrute right now. <laughs> Remember that one scene where he just like keeps describing aggressive <laughs> things? That's what I feel like. But that's that's what being a leading lady feels like to me. And yeah. you know, I I'm a natural born leader. I've always had like really intense leadership skills, but paired with an intense personality, you have to learn, you know, how to be an effective leader because. A lot of people don't like scary voices. Um, <laughs> They're like, oh boy. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I answered the question. No, you did. I love That's that. And answer, listen, yeah. we want we want your answer of, you know, your definition of that. We don't want, you know, something that yeah. you, you think. Leading ladies we, are all different. They're yeah. All different journeys. That's yeah. why we ask it of everyone, because we genuinely want different definitions and different ideas of, of what that can mean, because it can mean. And if Dwight Schrute is your leading lady, then I think that that's great. I, I think do, kind of yeah. I think it's just living my life to the fullest, like squeezing yeah. every ounce of fun out of any situation I'm in and not being scared and not holding back and just really going for it. So I really love that. I could yeah. use a little more of that in my life because that's yeah. that really, no, I'm serious. I think that's really a good definition. I love that. But um, I will say to end it on a sweet note, that has been the most fulfilling part for me of the backstage blonde is getting to meet my followers who, you know, I've been able to build relationships with over the years to hug, you know, young kids at the stage door and be an encouragement and lift people up at Broadway con. We meet so many amazing people at Broadway con. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, I'm like, I want to be a blessing in this community. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you are. I think you are. Yeah. Um, so knowing that that's your definition of a leading lady, who are some of the leading ladies in your life? In my life? Yeah. Is that, I know, it's a oh lot. My you, you have a lot. <laughs> I know. You don't have to name everyone if you don't want to, but just, you know. Well, I think my mom is awesome. She is the director of a foundation all about destigmatizing mental health. Nice. So yeah, she's a mental health first aid counselor and is constantly giving away money to, you know, like the Trevor project, right? Love in our arms, like this really cool, like equestrian therapy place. Yeah. So Sweet. yeah, I think she's a really awesome leading lady because she does that. She's always been a philanthropist. She was involved in the junior league. She raised three kids. She has a master's degree and she lives with clinical depression. You know, it's like, that's, that's being leading lady to me. Absolutely. So, yeah, she's been a really great example in my life. And then, yeah, something cool that happened this year, one of my pandemic projects that my parents encouraged me to pursue and run after was getting my New York tour guide license. So I can Ooh. legally give walking tours in New York City. And this fall or August, I guess the end of the summer, I will be launching tours by the Backstage Blonde. So walking tours of the theater district. Oh my, oh my gosh, that's oh, very oh. exciting. Right? Because like, that's, that's another thing. Kind of like yeah. what I touched on before is, you know, you really, whenever they're like talking about Broadway on any of these Broadway websites, it's like, you know, a dancer wearing a fedora, like doing a weird dance move on a bench. It's, which is great, but I don't, I don't really, I'm not a dancer, so I'm not interested in the art really? of dance. Where I get really fired up is talking about literal theater history. I yeah. love, love, love American history and architecture and the stories behind these legendary Broadway theaters. Like the oldest Broadway theaters were built in 1903. Crazy. Right? Oh and this, the New York City subway didn't even stop in Times Square until 1904. So it's just, there's so much history packed into that small little part of the island of Manhattan. And I'm really excited to start walking people around and showing you guys everything. I That's can't so wait to cool. come take a tour. Maybe like, <laughs> maybe like once a week. later. Well, I'm going to need you. So. <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay. So in the podcast right now, so I can hear about that. Just kidding. Um, okay. My favorite question to ask everyone. I feel like you're going to love this question, actually. My favorite one. If you could have a dinner party and invite three people, living or dead, who would you invite? Ah, oh, that's what <laughs> everyone always does. Kaylin. I know. You it's cut me for that question. I know. Well, Teal, I mean... Fans of the podcast know it's coming, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I know. Yeah, no, that a... is on me. I'm a bad friend. <laughs> no, I um... was totally teasing. I was totally teasing. That was a joke. Um, no, I know. Wow, this, wow, is a, wow. this one would really stress me out on the spot, so I should have definitely prepared you. I'm sorry. Okay. And this is because I'm, like, so in the thick of, like, planning for my tours and stuff. Yeah. I... I want to go back to 1904, 1905. No, I want to go back to 1910 because okay. the Schubert's built, oh my gosh, like 45 something. Don't quote me on that. That's number, but like an insane number of theaters, like between 1910 until like 1928, like, cause then the stock market crashed in 29. Right. Like it was a, a building boom they created the Broadway that we know today. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think it's amazing. 
I love that. You so know, this- like it's amazing what they did. It's amazing yeah. precedent they they set. And then the first like national tours were like it. You know how like you know Warner Brothers or whatever the big houses in Hollywood's they would like own actors. They would be in house mm-hmm. like on the lot. That's how the Schuberts were. They would have actors who were like in their shows and then they started collecting theaters across the countries and then their shows could only be performed in their theaters, which, you know, union rules changed all that years later. But it's just like they built this insane empire and they're businessmen, you know, and I think that's what a lot of people have forgotten throughout this whole like uprising of a year Mm -hmm. where, you know, people want change, which is great. It's needed. But things have Broadway has always always been a business about making money you know yeah like I love the art I love the art part of it and it's amazing but like if you only want the art part and you want to wear flower crowns and just be happy then you should go do that somewhere else yeah Broadway is is not (laughs) necessarily the place for that I would definitely agree I think those I would love to talk to them and just be like how did this how did you do this like where did this come from that's Yeah, like the fathers of American theater are like David Belasco, who like wasn't that great of a guy, but still he's the first person who ever made a sunset happen on stage with lighting. And it's just like they invented all of this. Yeah, Yeah. it's yeah. And like trap doors or even like having like, you know, baked cookies so that the smell would waft. Yeah, when people were like, waitress is revolutionary. It smells like pie. I'm like, sweetie, they were doing that in the 30s. Like, we already got this. We're just doing it now. Right, and like the Ziegfeld Follies and the fact that there's like this, you know, they would have like private, like risque shows on top of the new Amsterdam theater in the garden, like after hours. Oh, what a wild time. What a wild time. Oh, I want to sit down with them too. Just be like, tell me everything. That. Tell me everything. Mm-hmm. It's a good, that's a really theater nerdy answer, Teal. It's, that's that. like a deep cut. You're so nerdy. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Can you share with us? Is it allowed? Do you have a funniest backstage mishap or memory? Oh my gosh. Probably, probably so many, but. Well, one time. This was my like second time dressing Glinda and the standby was on and during, no, it wasn't popular. It was, you know, she has a little white purse for shiz and then she has, yeah, I think it was the white purse. She like flew, threw it into the audience. So that was kind of funny. (laughs) <laughs> when the, like an usher like clocked in and like got it and was and like okay, was fine. This yeah I'm like this baby dresser and I'm like what do I do oh my god they're like you can't do anything yeah so that was kind of funny but you know like at a show like Wicked it's a well-oiled machine of course everyone is, has already dealt with any catastrophe that could ever happen so like there's never like really anything that crazy I think it's it, there's just so much like laughter and happiness backstage because everyone yeah. like really loves each other and loves their job. Yeah. That's what good. has any, I'm trying to think if there were any like crazy things that happened at Aladdin ever. I remember there was one time something happened. I don't remember what it was, but then James who played the genie and won the Tony for it. He like ad lived with the audience and like made them all laugh. I think moments like that are just so special because you know, they'll never happen again. And the audience yeah. can feel that like they're in on like a secret yeah, yeah, I think like that is really fun. I love that. Mm-hmm. If you could work backstage on any show, past, present, or future, what would it be? Well, I think the new Devil Wears Prada musical. I'm hoping. Ooh, I'm ooh, hoping fingers crossed. Really good. Yeah. 
That yeah. could be fun. Oh, those costumes are going to be shout out gorgeous. If right. anyone is listening and is involved with the new <laughs> Devil Wears Prada production, I know a dresser that would be perfect would do for you. Amazing. Well, and I think Harry Potter, that would be a really fun one. Because everyone who works there has to sign an NDA because there's so many secrets. Oh my yeah, God. show. Oh man. I just want to work on a new musical because I would yeah. love like the Tony Awards season experience. Whoops. <laughs> But yes, the Tony Awards. Woo! That's what they were saying. They were like, yes, beep, beep, pom, pom, the Tony Awards. <laughs> Remember I those? think that would be very cool, yeah, to do, like, and get to do, like, the Tonys. Ooh. I think so, too. Um, okay, Teal, the very last thing that we do, it's a bit of a recurring bit in our podcast. We call it the BuzzFeed Quiz of the Week. And we always pick a BuzzFeed quiz that kind of, like, is based on the personality or career of our guests. And we picked a fun one for you. So... I know that you love Harry Potter, speaking of Harry Potter. Um, and then obviously you're a Broadway baby. So I thought this would be kind of a funny quiz. It's called Sort These Broadway Characters Into Their Proper Hogwarts House. All right. The oh, first so quiz- if anyone listening doesn't know, the four houses yes. of Hogwarts are Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. If you don't know what they are, look them up. <sighs> Go read Harry Potter. Go read know, Harry Potter just, or just you Google might be it. lost. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just, yeah. Why are you here? I'm just kidding. We love, we love all people. <laughs> we love everybody, but... <laughs> but wrong episode. Where did you come from? Where? Yeah. How did you get here? How have you lived on the earth this long? I just don't understand. All right. The first one is, which house does Jean Valjean from Les Miserables belong in? Oh, man. <sighs> I love how much thought you're putting into this. This is hard. This is hard. Mm-hmm. He's either a Huffle or a Gryffindor. Hmm. I could definitely see him being a Hufflepuff because he's extremely loyal yes. and giving. And true. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes a Gryffindor can be pretty narcissistic. That's true. true. Good that point. Is true. Yes. As a Gryffindor, but, I can confirm. A Hufflepuff, I don't think, would get themselves into like that level of trouble. Yeah, I don't know if a Hufflepuff would go to like prison. Yeah, he's a Gryffindor. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good call. That is also what the majority of quiz takers said. So nice job. Uh, not that we're trying to be like everyone else, but it's okay. Oh, this is a good one for you. Which house should Glinda from Wicked be in? I mean, number one, she would go to that school in France. <laughs> True. Absolutely. Where is a Slytherin? She's out for herself. She is sneaky and conniving and she's calculated. Yeah. She, a Gryffindor would jump off the cliff, but a Slytherin is going to like think that through because they don't want to get hurt and they don't want to put themselves out there in that way. They do daring things that are very calculated. That's yeah, a that's a really yeah. good point. That's really that's wow. true. Teal, this is a great quiz for you. You're <laughs> so well informed. Um, okay, on the flip side, how about Alphaba from Wicked? Mm. I mean, she's a Gryffindor because she's kind of an idiot. <laughs> she's an idiot and she's quick tempered. She has a good yeah, heart. true. She's brave, but she is quick to anger. That you know, like Slytherin will be like, okay, yeah, you just wronged me, but you don't know. I have a poker face and I'm going to say that. Slytherins are very cool. Gonna get, I'm going to mess mm-hmm. with you later. But a That's Gryffindor, true. you know, they're the first ones to pull their wands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's a good point. Think about when they go to meet the wizard and she's like, it was all you, wizard, you're bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. Ravenclaw or a Slytherin would have taken a beat and been like, okay, I see what's going on here. 
And now I'm going to pretend to go along with your plan so I can infiltrate the system and then take over Oz. No, that idiot just (laughs) runs away and starts slamming doors. That's a really good point. Wow. Genius. Um, Oh, I know you have thoughts on this one. This may be a hot take, everyone. Which which house should Evan from Dear Evan Hansen be in? (laughs) (laughs) Look at her face. I know how you feel. I about. don't like that that character, anyways. I know. I think, mm-hmm. I think he's obnoxious. I think the premise of that show is stupid. Um, okay. Let them know. Let's Hot takes with Teal Dvornik. Evan. Hmm. I don't know. I could see him getting sorted into Ravenclaw because I think he actually is a bright kid. No, he's not a Ravenclaw. They wouldn't let him into Ravenclaw. Um, that's a really, this is a hard one. I know, this is hard, actually. Mm, I don't know. Do you want to know what the majority of people said? Yeah. Hufflepuff. Which, I see that too. He's just kind of like, he lacks initiative, you know? Mm. But he, he's, he's loyal. I mean, he, de- like, I don't know. Can okay, Lauren, can you look up the traits of a Hufflepuff? Yes. Um I I don't know. I could also see him going Slytherin. Slytherin was the second most common answer. Okay. But yeah, move on to the next. We'll, okay. let's circle back. Okay, we'll circle back. I did look up the traits of a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuffs are hardworking, patient, fair, just, loyal, and modest. Uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's a Hufflepuff I don't think he's not because if he was actually a Hufflepuff he wouldn't have entrapped Zoe in a relationship that was built on a lie I think he's a Slytherin because he's a master of deception Ooh, yeah a Hufflepuff wouldn't have lied they would have like peed themselves (laughs) bush you know if like as Evan Hansen and then like written her a letter and been like hey I'm sorry about your brother and a Ravenclaw would have come up with a better plan yes to not get caught yeah yeah so i think slytherin's the move i agree i'm with you I think slytherin's the move. which house does l woods from legally blonde belong in Ooh la la l woods is a ravenclaw she is a ravenclaw mm-hmm. i'm with you and that is the most common answer yeah. hufflepuff I is think... close behind it though which i don't know she is loyal yeah but once again i just people don't really understand hufflepuff um but badgers are relentless. Okay, okay. I'll take a Hufflepuff as a plan B. But yeah. Ravenclaws, people sleep on that house. Yeah. It's the most exclusive house. I think they're major snobs, but they've, like, earned it. And, like, I'm snobby for no reason a lot. <laughs> so, it tra- so, so it, it works. I love that. Yeah. Wow. I'm also snobby for no reason, and that's why I'm a great Ravenclaw. People Too. sleep on Ravenclaw, but I think it's, like, the most i think that's the superior house oh absolutely yes i'll tell you you took that quiz so seriously and i just really love that about you that (laughs) helps me know that it was the right one yeah um wow teal it has been such a pleasure to have you so wonderful we have enjoyed it so much i feel like my big sister has come to town um and i'm just so glad that you were here we're so uh proud of all that you've accomplished and i know that a lot of people are going to be inspired by this interview so thank you very much for being here it means a lot you're too kind that was really really sweet of you i love talking to you guys this made me so happy And I'm really, really thankful for our friendship, Caitlin. You've been a great friend and a great support system over the years. And 
hey, can't we see what happens next? I can't and congratulations either. on your podcast. So Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Love it. We love uh, leading ladies, strong female leads, all of the above. So Indeed. Tell us Thank where you. tell them where to find you. Yes. On Instagram and on TikTok, I'm at the Backstage Blonde. And then you can find my strong female lead merch at thebackstageblonde.co. And keep an eye out for my tour guide business. So exciting. That's going to be so cool. Everyone go follow her. Give her a shout out. We just love you. We'll talk to you soon. And thank you again for being here. Love y'all. Bye. Good old Tealy. That's what I call her sometimes. Just Tealy. She talked about how she like she's very intense and has a very aggressive personality, which like I feel like some people don't like, but I love. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I love how she's just very straightforward. She knows yeah. what she wants. She knows how she's gonna get it. And I'm like, yes, queen. Well, get such your a, life. One of the best things about Teal is you just you always know where you stand with her. She's so straightforward. She's kind and a good person, but she will like tell it like it is. She's no nonsense. She knows what she wants and goes after it. And I've just admired that so much over the past, gosh, like have I known her five years or so six years um, something, like, something that. like that yeah definitely since since college since kind of early college mm-hmm. um and I've just really watched her decide she wants something like lock eyes on it and then just pursue it full force until it happens and until mm-hmm. she gets there so I've just been so impressed by her she's such a go-getter she's such a hard worker and she's made a lot of her biggest dreams come true because of that which is just mm-hmm. so amazing to see when when good things come to good people and people who work for it so absolutely we love teal um so lucky to have her in my life and so glad that she came and joined us on the podcast i'm really mm-hmm. glad we were able to get her here on her busy schedule um, but speaking of busy schedules, she wasn't here last week, but we've got her back again She's this week. She's back, baby. Our girl Shahana is here for another one of her hot takes, great discussions, open conversations, and we're very excited to hear what she has to say for us today. So without further ado, it's Shahana Soapbox. Hi, Shahana. How are you? Welcome back. Happy to be here. So glad to have you. What would you like to talk about today? Well, something that has been on my mind recently is need for representation of all kinds. So I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before, but I am the daughter of Indian immigrants. And I unfortunately did not grow up with a lot of representation in media that showed me or my family Mm -hmm. Um, in the past, like probably decade or so, it's gotten a bit better. But one thing I have noticed is that when there are any sort of movie, TV show, anything like that, that comes out with um, Indian people represented or any other culture, people will often be very quick to critique on the quality. If it's really high quality, if it's really not great. I remember when Never Have I Ever, Mindy Kaling's Netflix show came out, people were very quick to talk about what was wrong with it, which I will admit I did too. And I think that it is important to have criticism, but I also think that we need all sorts of representation. Mm -hmm. One of my um, favorite new shows, I guess it's been out since last year, but 
Family Karma on Bravo is a reality TV show that follows a group of Indian families in Miami. And I've talked about it with a lot of my like Indian friends and family. And we've all talked about how watching it reminded us of our childhood and growing up with, you know, we didn't all grow up with our families, our extended families close by because many of us had extended family abroad. And so our family's close friends became our aunts and uncles. And that's what's shown in this TV show. And to a lot of people seeing um, Indian people in a reality TV show, they are turned off. They're like, oh, that's so trashy. That's not how we want to be seen. And I take issue with that because I think every culture has spans like the whole, um, I can't think of the word, but there's Gamble. all, say, yes, the whole gamut. Thank you, Lauren. I got you. Um, you know, we span the whole gamut of all sorts of different people. And I, for one, am someone who loves dressing up and putting on makeup and all that kind of stuff. I know there are several other people in my culture and in my family who are very different from that. But we need all of that different kind of representation to see ourselves and to feel that support. And so for me personally, family karma is a great way to feel represented. I know for others, maybe they don't care for it, but I feel like that's why we need it. Mm -hmm. And my comparison is always white people have the whole gamut of all the trashy reality TV shows, all the Oscar winning movies. So we also need to get to that point of seeing ourselves in every way. Yeah, and I, for sure. I think it fights against the uh, like golden minority idea too of like, oh, if you're brown or black or any kind of minority, you have to be like perfect. You have to be, you know, the yeah. highest brow, the A plus, whatever. But like, that's not true. That doesn't happen in real life. Like not just because you're a minority doesn't mean that you're need to be elevated above everybody else in order to be worthy of representation and attention. Trashy is fine. Trashy is fine for everybody. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. And we as a friend group love our trashy reality shows. So, you know, it's, uh, it's good. So it's if, like, if that means we get more of them, great. Bring so it on. be it. And, you know, like you said, I think it's important in for better or for worse and in all kind of situations and all types of people for like young kids to see themselves represented even if that is in what some people consider a trashy reality show it's still like okay but people who look like me are deemed important enough to have their own show and to have shows about real people who look like me and not just fictional characters who may not even represent you know me or my family or the people that I actually know so I think it's great Exactly. That's why I've like, I've seriously fallen in love with the show. They also have a really beautiful storyline about one of the guys um, coming out as gay to his grandma, which is like, Aww. so right. It's yeah. so beautiful. And I actually was like crying watching the episode. And my mom came in and was like, Oh, my God, she looks like my mom. So all of those just feel very important to me because I didn't get to grow up with that. And so having it now feels so beautiful. Yeah, 
I get that. Oh, I love that a lot. Plus, you know what? If we can give the Kardashians a reality show, I'm pretty sure like anyone can have a reality show and should. So if we you can know? give like the Duggars a reality oh, show, gosh. Yeah. we can give anybody a reality Literally show. Literally anyone. So there really should be no rules for which types of families get their own reality shows because We've had many years of putting up with Kardashians and Duggars and the Duck Dynasty people, oh, which I don't even know if they're that bad or anything. I just know their beards are a lot. That's all I really know about them is that the beards are strong with them. I just, I don't know, not a beard gal. But anyway, getting us off topic, getting us back on track. Yes, I think this is very positive thing a step in the right direction of just like more representation in media which is something i know we've talked with you about before and i just think it's really important and i think it's great that you have been able to find this show that reminds you of your family and and you're growing up so i think that's wonderful yay thank you of thanks course for thanks for coming by we'll talk to you next time bye, bye. Oh, Shahana's the best. Always so glad to have her here. So many what a leading ideas. lady, if you will. Truly. <laughs> the best. Oh, my goodness, everyone. All right. I think that just about does it for us today. Thank you for joining us. This was a really great episode. We're so mm -hmm. glad that you all were here for it. And we hope that you come back again and join us next week. But before you do, Lauren, would you like to tell the people where they can follow and support us? Of course. You can follow us on Instagram at Leading Lady Club. You can also find us on our website at leadingladyclub.com. Uh, all of our podcast episodes get posted there as well as anywhere else you can listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those other ones that I'm probably just never going to learn, but they're there. Uh, you can also subscribe to us anywhere. You can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice little review telling us how great we are and how much you love listening to Leading Ladies. And we hope you have a wonderful Monday. Yeah. Wonderful summer, summery Monday. Anyway, anyway <laughs> on that note, thank you for joining us, everyone. We will be back right here again next week for a new episode. Hope to have you then. All right, everyone. Bye. Bye. Princess oh, Caitlin has ordered you to be funny. Absolutely not. I refuse. Send me to the gallows. I won't do it.